Hi, this is May. And I'm Joy. Welcome to the QWERTY Writing Life Podcast, where we have candid chats about our creative lives. May and I are friends, writers, and creatives who want to share our endeavors out loud. On this podcast, we're here to encourage each other, and you too, and share tools we've discovered or made up, so you can follow your passions with a little support. So grab your tea, or your coffee, and let's get started. Hello, everyone. It's another week. Hello and welcome. Tonight, we are going to talk about one story in multiple mediums, and we are so excited. This one's going to be a fun one, guys, and it's just going to talk about creativity and storytelling, and I cannot wait. Cannot wait. Actually, I can wait just a little while longer because I have to hear about Joy's Creative Week. So, Joy, (laughs) what did you do? Oh, I am still working on writing one good thing and I'm making good progress and getting very close to the second moving into the second half of this book and this is the epistolary so I've been writing all of the letters that's one half of it and the other half are journal entries from another character Mm -hmm. so I'll be Mm -hmm. switching my mindset and becoming another character That's interesting. I didn't realize that there were going to be journal entries in there from another character's point of view. Yeah. Fun. Lots and lots of fun. So if you're intrigued and you can't wait to read this, as soon as it comes out, I would highly recommend that you read any good thing because you're going to need to read that first. Ha. Shameless plug. not shameless if they can't understand one good thing without reading any good thing it's really just more like informational um you know like kind information exactly exactly they need to know (laughs) they just need to know (laughs) (laughs) yes I love that so tell us check in I'm really excited about this book (laughs) so tell us about your creative week um, this week, I am still finalizing some of the poetry book formatting and stuff like that, too. So I'm, I'm very excited. I hope to have some, some good news to share with you guys very soon. But uh, it's still still coming along, and I'm, I'm very happy with working with Rachel again and getting it all put together. So, hey. <laughs> hey, that is so wonderful. I cannot wait to hear all the news and all of the everything. I can't wait to show you things so that we can be excited together. That's my, my favorite part. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So with the topic of sharing, I feel like that's a pretty good segue right into tonight's topic. When we were when we were planning this episode, we actually didn't mean to plan it. We were just talking about books and movies and things like that that we loved and in which which books we had read for the movies that we were thinking about too. So I guess the first one that came to mind whenever we were talking about this was like, have you seen Miss Pettigrew Lives for a Day? And Joy had not seen the movie yet. And I was like, the book is really, really different than the movie, but they're both satisfying on equal levels. And <laughs> she bought it. <laughs> well, no, I checked it out from my library. Both of them. Oh, well, that's, that's so, kind of the same thing. <laughs> so if you are on YouTube, you can see this, that I'm holding up the book and the movie. Um, but if you're not on YouTube, well, just go over there and you can see it. 
So it's been some years since I've read the book, Joy. Can you tell me, like, because it's fresh for you, can you tell me, like, what were the satisfying things about that? Or first of all, did you find it satisfying, as I, as I promised you, you would? <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did. So there are aspects to the book that aren't necessarily things that I would typically pick up. Um, but I enjoyed it. I really did. And what I found to be interesting was um, the book and the movie are different. They're kind of their own creatures, which is kind of what got this whole conversation started. Um, mm -hmm. But the book is about um, this woman, Guinevere Pettigrew, and she is a governess, and she's not a very good one, and she really <laughs> doesn't like children. I, I could kind of relate. <laughs> and she just, like, each job that she got, got just a little bit harder to deal with these children. And so she was kind of at the end of her options with not being able to get um, another post. And she was kind of down to her last cent and didn't really have a place to, to live, um, all of that kind of stuff. And the agency made a mistake and she was sent not to a place that needed a governess, but to, what did she call it? A, a den of iniquity. <laughs> there, the book is full of all of these just delightful little quips that she has. These, these cute little sayings that, that she's, um, she says. And uh, she goes to this woman's house who is um, kind of a socialite, I guess you could say. And she's a singer and wants to be an actress and things like that. And she lives a very glamorous lifestyle. And Miss Pettigrew wears very dark, dingy clothes. They're the only clothes she has. And she was a preacher's daughter. And she's never been kissed. And, you know, it's like that kind of thing, right? Um, and so I, I don't know. I kind of, well, I likened it to, a little bit of the Gatsby air to it without the Maybe hopelessness, so. but the, yeah. like the, the society yes. reminded yeah. me very was, much. The book was originally written in like 1938. So, um, it was right before world war two when it was set. And I, I personally, what, I, what drew me to it is that I just loved the, the whole idea it was it was a coming of age story for um for the singer and it was also a bit of a coming of age story for uh, Guinevere so she had never ex enjoyed life she had just survived it and so the she was able to learn a little bit about how to enjoy life and she did realize you know she's she's it's not something for her to do every day it was also a com a coming of age story for Delicia too because she just realized that she can't do this forever you know so and and then the ending is is just so wonderful I don't want to spoil it for anybody who hasn't seen it but it's just a really well told story in both mediums but they are different animals very and different that was an interesting study for me too because I enjoyed this and generally if I enjoy one I don't enjoy the other but this mm -hmm. was one of those rare moments where I did enjoy both of them on their own merit as separate pieces of art and isn't that interesting how we can have the same setting, the same characters, a very similar plot, and a very similar character arc, but we can appreciate them both and notice them as individual pieces of art. Mm -hmm. 
that is fascinating. And, you know, something I wish that I could do is talk to someone in the movie industry who knows how that process goes. Like, how do you, how do you take that book and turn it into a screenplay? And what are the decisions that go on there? You know, that would be fascinating to me. I would love to that know that. Me too. So guys, if you are listening and if you happen mm-hmm. to know somebody who is in this industry, who we could interview for this, uh, for these mm-hmm. questions, just drop us a line and let us know. Please. And we would be happy to contact them because this is truly fascinating, mm-hmm. interesting stuff, wonderful, creative chat fodder. <laughs> so <laughs> it absolutely is. I know my, my curiosity is definitely peaked and because um, I've always wondered that, you know, because they, they do, they make, they make decisions, you know, these things stay and these things go. And then in the case of this, there were certain elements that were changed a good bit. Um, there was a, a character whose kind of role was quite different in the movie. And then there were some underlying things that were very different in the movie. And it was interesting because I liked those underlying things in the movie. But I wasn't as satisfied at the end of the movie as I was with the book. Really? And I feel like it was, I don't know, there wasn't enough development of the characters. Like, in the book, I really fell in love with Guinevere, and I really just felt bonded to her by the by the end of the book. And in certain relationships that that happened later. But in the movie, I just didn't feel any connection to those things. Really? Now, did you read the book first or did you watch the movie first? I read the book first. Okay. And I, and I thought that some of those, those, that underlying thing that was different in the movie, I thought that I would end up liking it even more because of that. But I didn't feel that connection in the end Mm. with them. And it, it just fell a little flat. Okay, I can see that, uh, but I also have a different perspective, and I also think that this is in, uh, involved in our decision making too. Mm. So I watched the movie first, and then mm. I read the book, yeah. and so I could appreciate the movie on its own merit before I learned more about the characters, mm. and you know, I, I was able to see those differences too. So I had already bonded with Guinevere in this hour and a half movie, and then. Uh, learned more about her and so I was already in love with her at that point in time does does that make sense so I really think that in the way that we consume the mediums as well is uh, we consume the story what comes first the chicken or the egg kind of (laughs) because we'll never know the true answer here but generally if I've watched the movie first and then read the book I can have an appreciation for both however if I've read a book first and uh and then seen the movie occasionally well most of the time I can say I was gonna say occasionally but that's not true um most of the time I have a greater affinity for the book than I do the movie and in some cases I've just plain hated the movie so yeah well it's so funny that you say that because I I wonder too if it matters the order uh, and this is something I talked with Tony earlier today about this because I couldn't remember for sure about the Harry Potter series. So mm. I read the books before I watched the movies. He watched the movies before he read the books. Oh, and okay. yeah, so I think when we were talking about that and 
if you guys are familiar with those two and the differences between the books and the movies, um, you probably know that the movies do leave a great number of things out. And which most movies do, they have to, but I think they have to simplify because the well, medium is right, different. Yeah. Right, for sure. But some of the things that they leave out in the movies are quite pivotal to your understanding of what what's even going on mm -hmm. um, in a few of the instances. So, but he, because he watched those first, he really enjoyed them. And then he said that when he wa when he read the books, he was like, "Oh, well, that makes more sense now." <laughs> Whereas with me, I I do remember now. I love the movies now. I really do, and I'll watch them any chance I get. But when I first watched them after having read the books, I remember saying, well, that makes no sense. Why did they leave that out? Well, you're not going to understand because <laughs> I was just completely, well, ah. And honestly, it's true because I've only read half the series and I've seen all of the movies and I've gotten to the end of the Harry Potter series and I was like, well, I mean, that was neat, but I have questions about xyz abc like there were a lot of questions that i had about and, and the the end the last two are very fast paced especially yeah. the final one they're very fast paced so it didn't give my brain time to even process the information that i was being presented in the movie um, and i realized that the book for the last book is like a thousand pages long or something so ah, you could read it in to, a day well there was just a lot of stuff that the like the that the movie writers had to put in mm -hmm. to this very short amount of time yeah. and, and also change that from a, from a print aspect, change that story, make it from like a 2d print aspect to, you know, whatever visions that we create in our heads when we're reading those letters and words and stuff and putting it into action. And that's a huge feat. So um, I appreciate, I think that the music was perfect. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, um, the characters that they chose, like the, the, the way that they characterized things were pretty spot on, at least from what I read in the, the first movies, um, that they chose really good actors and they wrote it in a way that honored the books, even if it wasn't exactly like the books. Um, so I can, I can say, I can say those good things, but I can't speak to like books four through seven because I haven't read those yet <laughs> so, <laughs> oh. and those are the ones I really need to read because I'll understand more but yeah I think I actually book four is my favorite book really three is my favorite movie so Ooh, I like I like that I, uh... that's something that we should rank and do and stuff too it'd be fun <laughs> But another one that um, I can say that I both enjoyed the movie and the book is Pride and Prejudice. And I enjoy all kinds of iterations of movies for that story. Well, I was going to ask you, because there are quite a few. Do you have a favorite or? Yes, I do. <laughs> I actually have a few. <laughs> so it's Pride and Prejudice. And I, I have another, I have another one too. So I don't want to forget Jane Eyre as well. But oh, yes. um but Pride and Prejudice, the book, is just one of those books that you just go kind of read for escapism and you're looking for your happy ending when things when things aren't going super well in real life. You just kind of run over to Pride and Prejudice and visit with Elizabeth and Mr. Darcy. But um, so and I have my favorite 
movie movie is the BBC series with Jennifer Ale and Colin Firth. Okay. So, and, but it's exceedingly long. It's like six and a half hours or something Mm -hmm. like that, but it's marvelous. I also have really sweet memories connected to it, like nostalgic memories when my cousin and I watched it together and we stayed up all night and watched them all in order. And I had never seen them before. And she was like, Oh, you have to see this. And it was just a really wonderful bonding moment for the two of us. And so, um, so that's my favorite one. But in a pinch, I really do enjoy (laughs) the Pride and Prejudice with Kira Knightley in it. It's the cinematography is gorgeous. The costumes are gorgeous. The music is gorgeous. The chemistry is gorgeous. I just really enjoyed it. And another uh, medium too, that kind of it does it does kind of give some liberties. It takes some liberties with the original story, but there is a series by Pamela Aiden that is the Fitzwer- uh, Fitzwilliam Darcy series, and it's three. It starts with an assembly such as this, and it's the story of Pride and Prejudice all from Mr. Darcy's perspective. And she just does a really excellent job with um, kind of channeling her inner Jane Austen. She keeps with the time period. She keeps with the, the level of intimacy that is, you know, was in the book. And she, she just lends her voice to it as well. There's beautiful dialogue in there, really smart, cutting dialogue that's just so good. And I actually, I feel like there might have actually been some lines that I remembered from the book in that movie. Hmm. So pretty interesting to me. That's um, interesting. Yeah, so there's that. And and along those lines, there's also some really great Jane Eyre um, movie iterations of the book. The book, of course, is just so wonderful. Oh, it is. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. And uh, it, it is. I actually, if I were to rank like Pride and Prejudice and Jane Eyre, Jane Eyre would be first and Pride and Prejudice would be second. I just really love the the dedication to her fundamental standards <laughs> yeah I really do like that's one of the things that I just was like man this girl because I would have given up so many times I would have given in so many times and and she just stuck true to who she was and what she believed in and by the end of it it didn't look the way that she would hope would have hoped you know earlier on that it um that it would have looked like but at the end of the day the end of the story she had um, she had a, a really beautiful future ahead of her, and uh, but and I think too that if she would have married Mister Rochester before all of the stuff happened, that his character arc was not complete yet. He had to ha- he had to finish his character arc before they could really truly be together in what we would think is a happily ever after. Mm. So it was it was about her, but it was also about him. Yeah. I agree. We didn't, yeah, we, we didn't really set off in this episode to analyze the stories, <laughs> but there you go. Okay, so this is what something else I was talking to Tony about earlier. The Hobbit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's one of my all-time favorite books, of course. And the movies just, they really deviate. With Lord of the Rings, with the, with the trilogy, um, Peter Jackson did a great job of really staying pretty close. I mean, yes, there were some big differences. Yes. Okay. If we're, if we're going to, you know, I don't want all the 
L-O-T-R people after <laughs> me. Yes, there are big differences. But the but heart. Talking the, about the heart of it. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like the that was very, yes, very mm-hmm. similar um, in many ways. I felt like the Hobbit movies were a lot more different from the book than the Lord of the Rings ones were. But that being said, I still really enjoyed the movies and I felt like they stood very well on their own. They, Mm -hmm. they told great stories on their own. Yeah. They're not the story that Tolkien told. (laughs) But why Legolas was there, we still don't know. Anyway. I'm not complaining ever. Oh, of course not. So if he can be in everything, that is true. (laughs) Just shoot more arrows. So I actually read The Hobbit and enjoyed it very much. I read it in middle school. It was another mm-hmm. one of those books that just kind of opened my eyes to something new. It was hard for me to read. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was assigned as summer reading, and it was something that um, I kind of had to do, but I ended up enjoying it, and that was cool. That was that was a cool thing. The movies, it's interesting now because I have an eight-year-old who's watching these movies, and he is enjoying them on a whole nother level because he's not read the book yet. So... Yeah, and we'll get there. But right now, he's watching the movies. I could, I just couldn't wait any longer. Basically, is what happened. Um, <laughs> well, they're so wait. good. They are. Yeah. I couldn't wait any longer to share the movies with him because he was. Mm. I don't know. He's just a. He's a cool kid, and I want to share cool things with him. So, um, and so we're watching these things together, and they're. He's totally enjoying it. Like totally getting it. In fact, he prefers The Hobbit over the Lord of the Rings movies right now. Like that. But That's, the movie and the book can stand alone, and they're both really, really good things. Yeah. Another thing that's like that is, I mean, I don't know why we didn't say this first, because it's the best of all time on both accounts, um, but The Princess Bride. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yes. So The Princess Bride is a movie that I can... Uh, that I can watch over and over and over again. I can quote lines from. I can rhyme with Fezzik. <laughs> Inconceivable. It's so, so good. And then in high school, I read the book. And I was like, what is this mess? <laughs> it's not. It's, this is a case where it's not this, this movie doesn't honor the the feel and the heart of the book because the heart of the book is very cynical and it's very it's different it's just so different and um I didn't really appreciate it until I grew up and and you know lived a little bit more and and I read the whole thing from from front to back cover it's not even something that I just put down I read the whole thing and I was just like this is not my movie like I wanted those feelings that was the reason why I picked it up because I wanted to like replicate those emotions that I had whenever I watched and I wanted to go deeper and then and it shocked me and it gave me different emotions and I was like then I had to evaluate and uh and so I didn't like the book immediately, but now I do. <laughs> I can definitely see that because I read the book for the first time not long ago. I can't remember if it was last year, maybe the year before. Um, but I could definitely see where if I had read it younger, I don't think I would have enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's just something yeah. different about it. And of course, I've, I've watched the movie for years. 
So, mm -hmm. and love it. And it, the book covers some really, you know, it introduces some really hard themes thematically as well. Mm -hmm. And in situations that the adults, you know, like the kid in the bed, it, it's like told the narrative is him as an adult and he's like lived a lot of life and life hasn't necessarily been super kind to him. Mm -hmm. And so um, there were some things that he said that happened to him and things that, you know, experiences that he'd had in his life where I was just like, oh, he's not a good person. And now, you know, like, <laughs> like, it was, it was really, it was jarring for me to be like, but you know, Fred Savage is a good person. So what's wrong with this guy? You know, so I don't know. That's too funny. Yeah. I think it's interesting too, that and we have talked about this before, how the consumer of art brings so much into mm -hmm. whatever the medium is. And I think that that is very clear <laughs> as we're talking about books and movies and things like that. We bring into these things our own preconceived notions in some cases. We bring into it our preferences and our thoughts and our worldviews and our everything. Um, our own life experiences or lack yeah. thereof. Yeah. And that's our opinions are shaped on that too. If we haven't experienced some of the things that the characters have gone through. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. And the reason we're having this conversation is because as a consumer, the art has changed again. Hmm because it's it's this book and then it's this movie and then maybe there was a painting before that the story was made off of inspired by mm -hmm. and then then it was a movie you know like there are all of these themes that happen in art and in the art world and all of our inspirations stacks on top of each other from everything that we've consumed and we've we've studied and partaken in and lived through mm -hmm. and it becomes its own piece of art and no, maybe one day somebody will make a movie out of that too. <laughs> so I think, and this was another one that we had talked about, Girl with a Pearl mm -hmm. Earring. And this, you know, obviously a very famous painting. And then a book came out of that. But it made me think, I mean, how many of us who had to take art appreciation at some point saw that mm -hmm. painting, right? Did you think, wonder what her story is? And what was the story that you came up with? for her and then if you read the book did it kind of let you down did it because your story was better in your head or... <laughs> yeah <laughs> or like was it just so much better or did you not have a clear picture of what her story might be and it just kind of opened up your imagination again this is funny because I'm, as I'm looking through this this is I meant to go back and look and see what I thought about this book on my Goodreads thing because mm -hmm. I know I did a review and I completely forgot to look that up but I'm looking through this and I'm remembering that I read this with my book club and so I'm sure we had great discussions about it and I've written all in this like I have underlined the mess out of this book and I've written notes in the margins and so I clearly had very strong reactions to it so that's interesting well you just don't remember what they are i don't now it's gonna okay. bug me that's okay. you can that look up. at it later the one thing that i can say that is that generally if i like both i've watched the movie first and then i've watched and then i've read the book hmm. um 
And so that's one thing. Another thing too is chemistry with the actors and and good writing, like just good dialogue and, and how the actors get along with each other. Then the writing has to be there and the pacing of the story has to be there. Mm -hmm. I think that that was one really big problem with the twilight movies is that the pacing was just so not, not there. Um, and so I read the books first and then I watched the Twilight movies. And so maybe that's the problem here, <laughs> though, because go back to number one. Um, also, there is a similarity in storylines, I think, to, to where um, in, the one, in our examples, as far as they're very heavily character-driven stories, so those are our, some of the similarities that I can see in the examples that we put together here. Joy, do you see any similarities that might be different than that? I think for me, I would I would typically readily agree with if I read the book first, I'm not going to like the movie. But I have several where I read the books first and I love like the movies. Yes. Yeah. But I think it's because there are movies that I've watched over and over and over and over, like the Harry Potter movies. And with Lord of the Rings and Hobbit, I think with Lord of the Rings, um, I just fell in love with the cinematography. And I mean, Peter Jackson did a phenomenal job. He just did. That cast was through the roof. They had great um, chemistry, like you were talking about. It was just great you know and when it came time for the hobbit i had such high hopes but at the same time i just kind of decided that i was going to love it no matter what because it was peter jackson again and it was you know i knew it was going to be well done and so i think that i forgave some of the things mainly because of that because of those reasons um but typically, typically, if I've read the book, and especially if I really love it, I'm probably not going to like the movie. So, Joy, yes. what do you think the people who are listening should be challenged with today? Because we've given a lot of examples, some really cool thoughts about consumers and how they relate to the art. What should they do after all of this information has been laid upon them? <laughs> well, I hope that what you guys will do is think through some books and movies and, and various mediums that you have read or listened to or watched or whatever the case may be. Um, and think about what you liked and what you didn't like. And for the things that you saw in multiple mediums, can you pinpoint what it was about one that made you love it more than another? For you guys, I mean, think about what are some things that, what are some books or movies or whatever that have mm-hmm. pulled those really strong feelings from you one way or another, you know, yeah. and why? You know, kind of examine that. Think about it. Um, yeah, and think about too, like it doesn't necessarily have to be a book. It can be a comic yeah. book. It can be graphic novels. It can mm-hmm. be flash fiction. It could be a Twitter post. It could be a painting. <laughs> yeah. It could be anything. Anything. It could be music. Music. Yeah. Oh man, music. That's a whole other thing. And we didn't really even dive into that. But here's another thing that I'm going to add to this challenge, just because this is like you know selfish on my part. But if you guys know of any other books or movies that have come from art 
or from music, mm-hmm. I would love to hear about it. I would. There's a song by Ryan Adams that is uh, extracted from or inspired by the movie Beetlejuice. Well, that's something. Yep. <laughs> I don't really called, know what to uh, do with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, I think it's called Tell Him That the House Is Not For Sale, or at least that's the first line of the song. I don't know exactly if that's the title or not, huh. but... Um, I've always thought that that was so neat because the song is so good. And then I'd heard the song first and then I was like, this is a really, really cool song. And then I heard later that it was based off of Beetlejuice and then I re-listened to it. Now that's all I can think about is Beetlejuice. (laughs) That's so interesting. I don't know that I've ever heard of a song coming from being inspired by a movie. That is Mm -hmm. really, really neat. So see, art can inspire art. Like, ah, I'm so excited. That's a whole other topic. So I hope you guys have a an amazing week, and I hope that this kind of spurs your uh, desire to read more books and watch more movies and think about the things that you are consuming as a consumer of art. Yeah, and opening up and allowing other things to inspire you. And also, you could potentially think about something that you have created in a different way and maybe even use that idea in a different medium, and how cool would that be, right? Yes. Oh, now I'm all excited. (laughs) (laughs) Well, guys, y'all go out and go make something this week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening until the end. Seriously, you're a trooper. Do you think pretty writing life is the bomb? May, you just said the bomb. Don't you censor me. If you think Cordy Writing Life rocks ice for real, oh my word. please rate, review, and share us with others. If you have questions about this week's episode or want to start a conversation, you can reach us by visiting cordywritinglife.podbean.com. We'll be back next week with more candid chats for you.